You're good. I'm good? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to clap one more time. Okay. Okay. Hey, Laura. Hi, Lena. And hi, everyone. We're Thrilled, the podcast that takes you through the 90s and early 2000s thrillers, pop culture from the year our Thriller of the Week premiered, and movie trivia from our film of choice. And today we are covering Misery from 1990, which was directed by Rob Reiner and written by Stephen King. I am so excited to talk about this. Me too. This is really my first time watching. I didn't even make it in 20 minutes to this movie. I think I made it in like five. Okay. Um, But you've since watched the whole Oh, I've since watched the whole thing. Yes. Prior to, prior to us watching this. Uh, I was like, are you just going to wing it? Yeah, I'll just wing it based on my, my understanding of what happened. So I'm super excited. John just asked me if I was sick of 90s thrillers yet. And I was like, what? We've done like a few few episodes and this is our favorite genre no not no not at all and I am realizing like that there's you know different categories that they fall into and as long as we don't do too many that are like that one category all at once I feel like it's always like there's variety yeah and it's I mean we've talked about this before but your favorite genre are definitely a few characters more of a domestic sort of this is literally what this movie is is, yes exactly that And yours are like more complicated procedural potentially yeah it is funny that we've like identified this because I, I didn't know. I thought I just liked thrillers. Me too. And so did you. And we we do. We just often like gravitate towards the different types. Like I think the ones I like are usually more of the like Hitchcockian style. Yeah, like, totally. Multiple, just small amounts of characters and settings. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Also, I thought I was getting pulled over oh on the gosh. way here because there was, it's so funny because I just told my sister was just visiting and she was telling some horror stories of when she's been pulled over for speeding. And I was like, I never get pulled over. Me neither. In L.A. And I know that's not... Because you have to, like, violate a pretty intense traffic law. Yeah, and I feel like the police have, like, better things to they do. They do. They have better things to do here. Than pull you over for, like, 10 miles over, which is typically yeah. what I'm doing, not yeah. more. But I was like, wow, I really was not paying attention. I was totally zoned out. So I may have done something illegal. Like, I've got no clue. And so I was starting to pull over. And then the cop went around me. And I was like, oh, okay, not me. Amazing. And then I realized I was about to hit, like, there was an act. I was totally zoned out coming over here. There was an accident. I did not see that he was trying to get to the accident. I was like, oh, that's why there was so much traffic. And he was behind me. And I was causing issues, like, not letting him. Oh, my gosh. So you were, like, obstructing justice without even Yeah, basically. So, yeah. All good. Just just some, you know, L.A. traffic to. There's always. I always think that there, like, if. If a cop is anywhere near me, I'm like, oh, they must be. They're gonna, I know. They're gonna pull me over. I was but immediately sweating. My heart stopped. I was like, what? I truly don't know what I did. So there I were know. crazy amounts of cop cars and a helicopter uh. that were like circling our apartment uh, like a week ago, and they were just blocking off the whole street. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and Do you have it, Citizen, that app? I don't have Citizen. I need to get it because I still use Nextdoor, which I feel like is like out of date now. Nextdoor has now become just like a gossip. It is. like weird insane. thing. I mean, I like it because like I'll tune in once in a while to be like, what's up? Well, who's fighting? There's Citi- some of the craziest I, people on Nextdoor. I go back and forth. I'll download Citizen, then I'll delete it. I'll like tur- definitely don't turn on notifications because okay, you'll just yeah. get a random push notification that's like man's been stabbed or like uh, woman throws Gatorade bottle into street like just yeah, no, really weird you. upsetting things that you don't need to know but 
it is a go-to when there's something going on because people like live stream stuff on that app too okay i probably need to get it but also set the yeah because i don't need to know when people are throwing gatorade bottles or doing anything more destructive (laughs) than that but Okay. Now that we've gotten off yeah, on a tangent into about traffic in LA and cop cars and everything, we are neighborhood events. in the mindset uh, right, to of talk a thriller. About misery. And yeah. we haven't talked about this movie at all, but we first, really haven't. This is the very first no, time. No, we've been that good. We've, we've been restrained. Actually not said anything. I don't yeah. you could think anything about this movie and I would have no yeah, idea. All we said was like I'm excited to talk about this, which is just neutral. Yeah, and I think we've said that at every the beginning of every episode. I'm yeah. so excited. But to I talk am about this. Uh, and I'm extra excited for you to tell us some pop culture trivia from 1990 yeah so you know 1990 was not as easy of a year to find trivia facts about yeah I was looking through them and I was like "Hmm, we've already talked about this kind of because it was Mm -hmm. like adjacent to 1991 or Or whatever 1989 okay we're right in the middle right now so but I did find some some good interesting facts so first uh, Millie Vanilli won a Grammy for best new artist but the win was short-lived and it was taken back when it was revealed that they were lip syncing, they weren't even singing at all because the producer didn't care for their vocals. <laughs> so got like real like studio recording artists to like Whoa. sing. The, yeah. I didn't realize it was that extensive. I just remembered that like when Ashley Simpson like lip synced, yep. everyone was On like, SNL. Oh my gosh, Millie Vanilli. But I didn't know. Oh, you're right. That was, that was like a reference that yeah, people were throwing out Cause there. they were like, Oh, she's such a like poser, you know, she but did a little jig, but I know that actually, <laughs> I, as you know, at the time I was inter- I was into Ashley Simpson. Oh, I, I love Ashley Simpson. Yeah, named my cat after a character. Right, from her I forgot about movie. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's not the same though because it's not the same. But I think so Millie Vanilli like so they genuinely like just didn't have it wasn't even their voices. No, they were just the characters. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and they're from they're German. I yeah, think? they're German. We have yep. one German listener, so oh yeah, and shout Donke out to too. our yeah. <laughs> Or someone using a Zoom type, but that's not appropriate <laughs> right now. I was Unless you say, uh, what's Guten Morgen, but that's Good Morning, and who knows? Oh, I didn't when they're listening that. to it. So okay, Donke, shout out to our or it's listener. a VPN that's tricking us. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I would be more, to, I would be more apt to believe that. So yeah, same. Um, but okay, cool. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And then next up, art thieves stole twelve paintings. Uh, and a Shang Dynasty vase that was worth about $500 million. It's the greatest known property theft in history. Uh, it was stolen from the Isabella Gardner Museum in Boston, and those paintings, uh, as well as that vase, have never been recovered. That's crazy. Did There's not know this. Netflix doc on that, I think, right? Is there? Okay. Yeah. I think it's about this, I would assume, because I remember the Isabella Gardner Museum, which okay. I didn't know previously, and it's a really beautiful museum, but okay, I didn't know that happened in 1990. Nope, yep. And then next smoking was banned on all cross-country flights in the oh. u.s i can't even imagine a like flight? <laughs> ew people were smoking on flights no no i can't even stand when people eat on flights myself included <laughs> the person next to me was eating a tuna sandwich on my flight oh. and i was like you're like either give me a bite I, of that exactly. or get the fuck out of here but like having someone else eat tuna is just so i i get it it's fine but it's also gross yeah no i get it I smoking. only want to, I want to be the only one who's eating me too. Just me allowed. Or yeah. the two of us, as long as we have a lot of space around us. <laughs> Ew, I can't even imagine. That's actually that. the worst thing to bring on a plane. Oh, for sure. A tuna sandwich. Mm-hmm. So that person's very gross. stinky. Uh, yeah. I mean, the bathroom, the laboratories, they all say like right. smoking is prohibited. So apparently that wasn't a thing before. And also, the first ban on smoking in bars in the U.S. was passed in San Luis Obispo, oh, which is just far. a couple hours away. Slow. Mm-hmm. Slow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very surprising. I can't really imagine a time in which those things were okay. No, I'm glad good to that's know they over. had 
that starts and ends. And then the next one is the first self-ringing mop, which was coined the Miracle Mop, was invented in 1990 by Joy Mangano. I can't remember if that's exactly how it might be Mangano. I don't know. I don't know. Either sounds fine. Have you seen Joy by David O. Russell? I haven't, even though we love J-Law, but I, I haven't know. seen it. Have you? It was, yeah, I saw it when it came out, and it was just okay. Like, Yeah, that's a, the vibe I got. Yeah, it was kind of like... It was interesting enough. I don't know if it was interesting enough to have like a big blockbuster movie about. Right. I could have seen it. And David O. Russell a directing it. A mop is so funny. And she's, she was an interesting woman. Like she definitely did some cool shit with a mop. But it's Jennifer a mop. Lawrence just didn't seem old enough either to play yeah, exactly. that Yeah, person. she was supposed to be like a housewife that got so tired of having to like clean up messes and stuff. And then just like created this idea. But she was supposed to be a little bit more like you. you just, I don't think she was quite as believable as she I think it's cool but it's I don't mop is just such a funny word but like mop. inventing a mop is you invented a mop I feel like that a mop can today. ring itself and you don't have to do it That's yeah cool. so I, I probably won't watch that maybe on a plane sometime yeah it's definitely a good plane movie and then finally solitaire was originally included in early computer programs in 1990 to help users strengthen their oh, no clicking way. and dragging skills oh my god how funny i didn't know that was the origin me or neither like i had no idea i just thought solitaire was like i don't know that was such game a classic to play thing. with yourself if you had no one else to play with basically yeah <laughs> i don't know how to do <laughs> you not embarrassing like i don't know how to play though i'll i'll play on a computer oh, and yeah. i don't really know what's going on you don't really need to know the rules exactly kind of, at least that's how i feel like, just card games like I don't know card games. Mm. Like I do have to be retaught them every single time. Yeah. It depends I think we may have even talked about recently. this meme before where it's like the Scarlett Johansson in a marriage story. Meme. Ah, like kind of wait. making this funny face where she's like, you guys can't see me right now, but then it's like me every time you like, try to, someone, tries someone to starts you. explaining the card game rules to me. And then they're like, you'll learn as you go. I'm like, you know what? I never will. I just don't have a brain that remembers card games. Well, I think you also have to have an interest enough in playing card games regularly for you to actually be, because it's, you can do it though. You're smart and you like no card games. I know card games because I like card games, okay. I have certain card games, like hearts. I grew up playing hearts. Don't even know what that is. And I got Michael into playing it because whenever he would be around my family, they'd want to play hearts. Mm. And so actually we, we were playing it when I was in Mammoth recently with my dad and Michael and Michael was trying to pretend he remembered all the rules from the last time we played. I guess maybe he was feeling embarrassed that like he still didn't get it, which would be totally understandable. He's only playing like once a year. Uh, so instead he just tried to like, you know, pretend he yeah. knew the rules. And then my dad kept being like, no, why'd you put that card down? Why'd you do that? And I was like, I think we See, need to give you a worst. refresher. Ugh. But if I don't know a game that well, I don't remember it. So my family is a Euchre family and my mom is like never vicious with Euchre. Oh, but if I play with John, he's my partner, like, cause it's like a, a team game. Yeah. And then I just sit next to him and I'm like, what do I do? And so I don't ever have to learn it. Yeah. Like I'll get like, you've got like a I crutch. Like, I actually do like poker. I can play poker. I like poker too, but and I don't play it enough to like, yeah, I have to be reminded every it. single yeah. time. And then I'm like, still not that good. And I still feel like, what is this a crapshoot? Like all card games just feel like, yeah, it's like gin mm -hmm. rummy is yeah. kind of the same. No clue. You see, you sound cool to me. No idea. Yeah. But solitaire was never really my thing. I didn't know. But that I would like click, fuck around on a computer clicking and stuff. To, yeah. You know, it's yeah. good to know that that's what that was for. That's like really yeah. interesting. That's a fun fact. You did great with these facts. Thank you. And actually, I said that was the final fact. Yeah, I was hoping not. we would get to the food thing. Yeah, it's not. There's there's some more. Uh, so food trends. I always find it really fun to think about like what we were eating yeah. or what people were obsessed with. Yeah, I love this. In society at this point. So bagel bites. Mm -hmm. Love them still. Pizza rolls. Yes. Fish sticks. Yep. Feels like 
small miniature things mm-hmm. were, were in. And like fried. Like, yeah, fried, unhealthy, miniature things. treats. Uh, and then Slim Fast. So I guess this like, <laughs> and that was always like a chocolate flavored. Yeah, drink, like a right? shake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never got into Slim Fast, but I do remember I mean, people being into it. As someone who had and still probably disordered eating habits, for sure, I'd be like. You had Slim Fast. Yeah, I remember it in my cabinet and just being like, sure, or my pantry, like I'll drink this instead of breakfast, which would normally have like cereal. But I don't, re- I mean, I didn't have like a routine. I was, yeah, 1990, I was not born yet. Yeah, so, no. Um, definitely not then. But as yeah. I got older, yeah, like Slim Fast and Snack Walls. You remember those Snack Wall cookies? Snack Wall cookies. They were in like a green package. They were devil's food flavor. They were a really bad like cake like cookie okay hold on i'm looking it up i feel like oh yes 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 yes. okay i never had these really like i but i remember seeing them around we had like a throwback thursday snack thing at the office Mm -hmm. and those were included and i was like where did you get these and also these are like very diet culture like don't don't bring these yeah yeah (laughs) no nobody needs those if i if i were gonna have like a throwback snack journey there was like dungaroos and other good things but then randomly Ho-Ho's, Slim Fast. Oh, I love those. Yeah, those yeah. are all fine. Those can stay, but... Warheads? The, those might be unpopular. God, I, I no, love, I love Warheads. I love Warheads. I love okay, Warheads. They, like, know. burn your tongue off, but... I love... It's like, I don't even want them after they, I know, like, the turn into the off. sweet. I don't know, but it's like, it's just... You want the yeah. torturous feeling, and then you want it to be done. I still love pizza rolls. I'll still get... I don't get the Totino's... Totino's? Yeah, that's the that one that yeah. was... That was the brand. Those are, like molten lava hot mm. and then cold there's no like i time never really got into them. pizza rolls no yeah i like them now they're good yeah you i mean it's like, like the, of course i would like them what are they like amy's or something like oh yeah they'll have like the healthy quote yeah. unquote healthy yeah, ones yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just like my healthy amy's chili in a can <laughs> i can also get amy's pizza rolls and they'll just be healthy mm-hmm. uh and then in real news i just feel like we have to have like one or two real news facts that aren't just pop culture so just really quick the hubble telescope went into space so Uh, The Hubble telescope was like, I think the first super big space telescope that says it launched into low earth orbit in 1990 and it still remains in operation today. Uh, So that was like a very historical moment. Cool, cool. And yeah, those are, those are our facts. Okay. Thank you for taking us through those. Yeah. Do you want me to do the roll call? Yeah, go for it. All right. So we've got a short cast list today. Thank you. (laughs) It's Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes. Yes. James Kahn as Paul Sheldon. Richard Farnsworth as Buster, Francis Streg- Sternhagen yeah. as Virginia, or Buster's wife, and Lauren Bacall as Marsha Sindel. Yes. Super and I will list. just say, like, those first two are really the main. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Those other got, three were like, well, there's only a couple other characters. Might as well <laughs> throw them in here. But the first two are the ones Yeah, we're we mainly dealing mainly. With, with two people here. All right. So I'm going to start us, take us through. Yes. So we Let's open with the sounds of a typewriter clacking and some imagery. We've got an unlit cigarette, an empty champagne flute, and a bottle of Dom Perignon chilling in an ice bucket. Mm-hmm. And then we see James Kahn. He is our typist. He's finishing a manuscript. And then he's pulling out the last sheet. He writes in pencil in all caps, the end. And he looks pretty pleased with himself. Yep. And through the blinds from the window next to him, we in like the cozy desk setup and plaid curtains, we can, we're getting a cabin in the woods type of vibe that yes. we haven't really seen much yet. We flash on the manuscript, and the book is untitled by Paul Sheldon. So James Kahn is pa- our Paul He's our Sheldon. guy. He's Paul. 
he shuffles the pages into one of those like beautiful leather envelope things. Oh, I said the same thing. The, I like, love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, like I wanted to call it a, a laptop bag. I know. And then I was like, case, no, something. laptop yeah. bag is not of the times. <laughs> he lights up that cigarette and he is out the door and into his classic car, but not before he whips a snowball at a tree trunk and he says, still got it. Yeah. This is a very interesting sort of like testosterone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> scene. And then we pan out and we're on a snowy mountain and this is the credit. So that was our cold open. Yep. Uh, it literally is cold. It's freezing because we are like in a snowy mountain. <laughs> I love the mood setting immediately. It's an evergreen forest. It's snowy, but it's not actively snowing at first. Mm-hmm. And he's cruising down the road. It looks pretty tre- treacherous, even though it's it's not snowing like it's covered in snow. Yeah. And as he continues to wind down the mountain, it does start to come down. It comes down really quickly and it is becoming dangerous, like very fast. Mm-hmm. There's low visibility. His wipers cannot keep up. He's starting to slide. He's starting to lose control. Yep, he's skidding. Stressful. And then he fully flips his car over into a ravine. It's not a super deep ravine, but it's off the road. Yep. And his car lands upside down and it's completely silent. Yeah. And also just to interject, the song that's playing oh, yeah. is like Please note. in the credits. I looked it up. It's like this like bouncy kind of like it's a Motown song mm. called Shotgun by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And it is very upbeat and yes. it's like the happy scene at the beginning he's just like driving he finished just his, finished book. his book yeah he's got a cigarette all that kind of stuff and then all of a sudden like you said it's like it cuts it just it's all he, silent he crashes and then it's silent yeah that's important scene setting because it was all just like happy we're getting that whole like he's very proud of himself he's relieved yeah. and then ugh, yeah Hit the road accident. and then oh my god which it looked I couldn't help oh my god it was so stressful so stressed. and I couldn't believe that was just before the credits like we're completely in yeah it. So now in a flashback, Paul is in a fancy office in a high rise and he's got the beat up leather briefcase with him. He's speaking with his literary agent, who is Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Marsha Sindel. And this whole scene is exposition. We see a blown up book cover poster on the wall with his name. We learn a few things here. So Paul Sheldon is a successful author of a romance series with a main character named Misery Chastain. Mm-hmm. And he's decided to kill off Misery. His plan is to go to Colorado to write the final Misery Chastain novel because if he doesn't kill her off, he feels like he'll just be writing her forever. And if he can pull it off, he says, maybe I'll have something to write on his tombstone. We also get one last little fun fact that he has a daughter who's of college age, and we just learned that really quickly in the scene. One other thing, and I think it's very confusing throughout the movie, and I'm, I can tell that potentially there's probably it's broad confusion. So he has two books. He has the book that's recently been written Mm -hmm. that is the end of the misery series that does kill off misery as a character. But then he also has the new manuscript, right? That he's working on. That's supposed to be unrelated to misery. Oh, so that one's the one that's untitled that he's writing is the new book. Yes. Oh, I thought he was writing the misery book. No. So he wrote the misery book prior to oh. as an end to the series and he's like d- wants to get out okay of that. so that makes sense when she comes home with the new book and she's all mm-hmm. sorry we're skipping yeah, yeah, ahead yeah. okay no I actually watched on the second watch I was like hold on that's actually really confusing and I was like wondering why they oh that's even okay oh yeah okay okay, okay yeah, okay. yeah 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 thank so you anyway. for clarifying that yes, yes. <laughs> all right so he has already written the book it's going to come out and then he's writing this like totally unrelated that makes sense he's and that's why he's like oh if mindset. I write this then it could really mean something yeah, it'll, he'll be it'll be so that's why he's like extra proud yeah okay versus like I was the end try- of the I was actually series. trying to pause on the when you get to see the last page of the manuscript that he was writing the end and I was mm-hmm. like this doesn't feel like a romance novel like I don't see oh yeah yeah that's because it's not it's, it's not. supposed to be like getting him out of that genre oh my god thank you for clarifying yeah that. no problem it's very confusing. no I feel like that's pretty clear to other people but now I get it okay 
So now we're back at the scene of the accident and Paul is coming to and he is not looking too hot. His head is completely covered in blood. He's disoriented. But it sounds like help has arrived. There's a crowbar. We just get like the digging of the crowbar into the door hinges. And this unseen figure manages to get the door open, pull Paul out, and immediately starts to perform CPR on him frantically. And this figure also shoves that portfolio into their jacket and throws Paul over their shoulder and heads off. Very, very like planned. It just seems like they know what they're doing. Yep. Immediate. It's like quick CPR. I actually, so I started to read the book, um, Misery by Stephen King. And I didn't get too far, but I did read this scene and it's, oh my gosh, it's very descriptive. Oh my God. I would love to like, yeah, I totally, I'm going to, I'm going to finish reading it. I really like it. Uh, I, I like Stephen Yay. King, but I don't, I haven't read a ton of his stuff. Yeah. I've listened to I haven't a lot, either. like on long road trips, mm-hmm. um, but I'm enjoying reading it. And then, and, and okay. I only, again, got this far and was like, oh my God, it's so descriptive. So this part so was, was very descriptive. That. Yeah. Okay. And very disturbing, like extra disturbing. The, he like he described her breath because it's him, like ah. not knowing what's going on. And her breath was like I think he said like chicken gravy, peanut butter fudge, <gasps> like all this like gross. Smells. Oh, that'd be so interesting because we're only we're not seeing it. As it's not his Paul thoughts. Sheldon. Yeah. We're just seeing it sort of as like he's almost like unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, Ugh, gross. Um, so next we hear a disembodied and disoriented voice say. I'm your number one fan. You have nothing to worry about. I'm your number one fan. I'm going to take care of you. Oh, oh boy. Oh my God, Who's so our crazy right person? <laughs> this fuzzy, hazy outline of the body becomes clearer. And oh my God, it's a young Kathy Bates. Oh, she's so just perfect. Oh, she's looming over a broken and bloody James Caan, yep. uh, who's now laying in a bed with his head propped up in a pillow. And he's asking her where he is. He, and she says, you're just outside of Silver Creek. And how long have I been there? And it's been about two days. She introduces herself as Annie Wilkes. Paul Sheldon's number one fan and she's also a nurse and she gives him some pills that put him out pretty immediately yep so she's got him set up in this bedroom it looks like a nice cozy cabin but she's turned the bed into a hospital bed and she has him on on an IV and she continues to fuss over him and give him a drug called Norville for the pain and he's a pretty passive patient at this point like thanking her taking the drugs without protest I mean, he's still pretty out of he it. He has no like idea what's injured. going on. Yeah. Annie tells him the storm he crashed during is so bad that she couldn't actually get him to the hospital or get in touch with anyone because the phone lines are down. So that sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah. Like, at this point, I feel like that's reasonable. gracious and grateful mm-hmm. that she's rescued him and is nursing him back to health. Yep. She walks him through his injuries and they are severe. He had a dislocated shoulder, which he had a tough time, but managed to pop back into oh, place. God. I'm like, oh my God, thank I you know. for not showing this to us. Uh, and potentially a broken arm, like it's in a sling that might be because of his shoulder. His legs are the worst. She pulls back the blanket and she oh, says man. she's so proud of her work. There's not a doctor that could have done better, especially considering that she just had to use what was around the house. His legs look insane. They look absolutely horrid. They're completely black and blue and bloodied. They're mangled. And she's fashioned some sort of like metal stents or poles around yeah. them to keep them stabilized. You know, it's almost comical, like that yeah. she just found all this stuff mm. to like put them together. He, she says that he has compound fractures in both legs and that she could hear the bones moving. That is so the gross. most disgusting thing I've ever heard. So gross. I've never heard that described that Me way. Me neither. And I was like, what does that sound bones like? Moving, wow. Like, jangly. It's like, what? like they're moving inside as you're trying to, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's best to keep them still. Annie says that she'll take him to the hospital when it's safe, but that he still has some recovering to do and she's honored he'll be doing it in her home. Yeah. I want to say that Annie is reminding me a little bit of like grown up heady vibes. Oh, mm-hmm. like a little bit, just like sort of like I'm your number one fan and like got this sort Immediate of persona that's yeah. caretaker too close for comfort. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have a scene of his agent, Marsha, trying to get in touch with the Silver Creek Sheriff. 
She reaches a man who is the entire police department. His name is Buster. <laughs> I love Buster. Me too. Marsha tells Buster she's worried about Paul. He's been up at the Silver Creek Lodge for the last six weeks, and she is concerned because his daughter hasn't heard from him, and usually he's in touch pretty often with his daughter. She's looking for reassurance from Buster that she's overreacting, and he gives that to her. He's like, yeah, I think you're worried for nothing. You're being overprotective, but I'll keep an eye out. He just writes a post-it like Paul Sheldon. Just I know. Remember. I love that. And then a woman walks in who we learn is Deputy Virginia. Buster asks her, what, like, when, when, when was that blizzard? And she says it was last Tuesday. And Buster looks pensive as he snaps a rubber band. And basically, he's like, yeah, no reason. I wasn't asking for anything. But he's starting to think about it. Like, hmm. Yeah, like, what? I wonder what that's yeah. about. Do you know who she is, the wife? I, re- I remember her from Sex in the City. Yes. She was, yeah. Funny. Yeah. She's <laughs> freaking mm-hmm. awful conservative Horrible. mom yes yeah. as soon as i saw her i was like oh i like normally hate you but yeah she's, she's fun in this she's I really like funny her. in this yeah back at annie's cabin annie is shaving paul's face for him with a straight razor and they're having a conversation where annie tells him it's not a coincidence actually that she came upon him she knew he was at the silver creek lodge and she sometimes waited outside the lodge when she knew he was there not creepy at all no as his number one fan she's read his misery novels over and over again she just loves them And I should pause to describe Annie. We haven't done that. She's very dowdy. She Mm -hmm. is dressed in turtlenecks and heavy wool dresses and tights. And her hair is in this unstylish bob that curves at the bottom. And she is just very solid. She's like a solid figure. She's solid. That's a great way to describe her. Yeah. Yeah. She's imposing looking Mm -hmm. and very stern and severe. But obviously she's being, she always has a cross around her neck. Yeah. Silver cross necklace. So she's religious for sure. They have a pretty friendly rapport still during this conversation, and Annie reveals she couldn't help but notice the manuscript of his next novel and is wondering if maybe she could read it. Um, Paul says normally he would never let anyone outside of a select few involved in his book writing process read it, but since she's just offered to like keep trying to call his daughter for him and his agent and she's nursing him back to health, he tells her to go ahead and maybe she can even come up with a title. Very kind yeah. for your number one fan. And now it's making more sense that it was a novel unrelated to Misery. Yeah. So now Buster is at the Silver Creek Lodge and the lodge keeper is telling him everything was pretty typical about Paul's visit. He drove his old Mustang. He orders a bottle of Dom when he's about ready to leave. And he's just a great guest in general. And the innkeeper also assures Buster, like, I don't think anything's wrong either. I think he's probably back in New York. Maybe that storm yeah. slowed him down, but I'm sure he's pulling into New York mm-hmm. right now. So at Annie's cabin, she's feeding Paul soup and telling him that she what she thinks of his book so far. And she's hesitant and meek at first, and he's like asking for feedback. So finally, she says she really dislikes the profanity and that <laughs> profanity has no nobility. And she starts out kind of self-deprecating, like, who am I to say? But then she quickly escalates into screaming yep. and losing control and spilling the soup uh. on his bed as she rants about how she can't go around town swearing at people, can she? She's very upset at Paul for working her up and making her spill the soup. But yes, she seems to snap temper. out of it super quick. Like, we see this quick flash of it. It's like, yes, what just happened? Where did yep. that come from? Mm-hmm. And she blamed Paul for her spilling the soup, even though he really didn't do much. Oh, my gosh. He was just it's asking for feedback. Yeah. Like, it's a moment where you're like, oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. We are dealing with a totally different kind yeah. of, you know, personality here. Yep. So she asks Paul for forgiveness immediately and tells him that she loves him and says, you're mine. I mean, your creativity. That's all I meant. Paul's face here when she leaves the room is like, hmm, fuck. <laughs> like, he's yeah, he's like, suddenly like, okay, you were waiting outside the lodge for me. His faces throughout this kill me. Oh my like, gosh. His is, faces are his so His expressions memeable. are so good. <laughs> They're so, 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 so good. There's like a scene later on where I'm like, yeah, I, I, I could just it later take too. his face <laughs> and just like, Put it on Slack. Put it on email. I know. Like anytime I'm having one of those moments of like, 
oh fuck yes he i i I'm like human being had this note throughout because like i read something and maybe you cover this in the movie facts but and again from like what the very small amount that i've read in the book it's such a horrible like horrifying situation it's very 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 scary and i think is yeah the, the book is a little bit scarier than the movie because the movie they inject a lot of humor and i think his face and his reactions are a lot of what makes that so like digestible, like yes. watchable because he's, his reactions are so fucking funny. Cause you and feel like you are yes. him. I had like, a note, oh. like, I hope I can keep my humor if I'm ever kidnapped because I know it's just, he's so funny. Oh my God. And closer to the end too. Some of yes. His, yeah. 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 Oh, some of we'll the funny things it. he does. Yeah. It's great. So Buster and Virginia are out in the police truck cruising the roads and they're married. <laughs> they're they're so cute. cute. She puts his, her hand on her leg and I was like, shit, I saw a wedding band on him. Like, oh no. Yeah. And then it turns out it was because they're married. They're yeah. Cute. They have like a cute little They have a cute banter where he's like, no, yeah. you can't do that. And she's like, oh, we sleep in the same bed. Yeah. Um, she's like, I want to be under the covers at yeah. home with the sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> they're funny. So Buster spots a tree with a broken limb and he instructs Virginia to pull over they investigate and he kind of scampers down this snowy hill and then he does sink into the snow, like just feet away from where Paul's tire is visible. Yeah. Like snow's mostly covering the car, but you can just see his tire, but Buster sunk and like got made fun of by Virginia. So he was like, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I laughed yeah. out loud at that point. Yeah, me too. And then we cut to Buster and Virginia walking back to the car. He's managed to get out of the snow and Annie is driving by them with this like knowing look on her face. Like she knows yeah. they didn't find it's, it because yeah. they would be like calling someone or like just in it. They, like they, they appear to not yeah, have she found seems anything. very confident. Uh, yeah. Which I don't, she's not I worried. Not be so confident, but not worried at all. Annie's back at the cabin after running some errands and she's brought back one of Paul's books. So that's the book. That's the final misery book. It just came out. Now yes, I got it. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. it so then she's going to start reading confusing. that. I don't think it's just you because even watching it a second just, time, I got, she's confused. like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. Like the book, the book. And I just thought it was in, that she saw the book at the general right, store. Uh, that it was just one, like of, the other one of the other books. That, yeah. That got it. Cause she's going back and forth between she was reading the manuscript, but now she's reading the, reading last the final misery book. last misery book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she said that she was, when she was in town, she was able to make those phone calls. She called the hospital. They'll send an ambulance when the roads clear up. And then his agent said that she'd call his daughter and tell her that Paul's okay. And that maybe he can call her tomorrow, even though he's going to miss her birthday. Cause her birthday is that day. He thinks. Yeah. Um, and, and he, he looks he seems annoyed. Really? Yeah. He yeah. seems really bummed about that. Yeah. His face is like, uh, okay. I feel like he's already recognizing like, yeah, hmm, probably didn't happen. Um, Annie's now on page 75 of the book. So she's like zooming through it. And, she serves him disgusting looking eggs, a la Annie, she says, and tells him oh, that yeah, his there's book, like spam and it's other gross. stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. All of her food is disgusting. She tells Paul his book is perfect. So 75 pages in, she's loving it. She's loving misery. Misery, the, the final last misery. book. Yes. Yeah. I think she gave up. On she kind of gave up on the manuscript. Yeah. yeah. She didn't like all the swearing. Paul is laying in bed and an incredibly cute pig trots into his room and puts its front hooves up on the bed. <laughs> it almost feels like he's like having an illusion. Is hallucin- it CGI? Oh, like, I didn't even think about that. Actually, very didn't real. See, I didn't see anything. But about how that. do you have such a well-behaved pig? Yeah, I know that I they mean, can they be can trained. Be, like they're yeah. smart as dogs. But yeah. I was shocked. And she's brown. She's like such a cute pig. Um, I'm looking it up. I just typed into Google <laughs> "misery pig CGI." Maybe is the it pig has to be in misery real? real? Misery is a fictional animal. I'm aware. Uh huh. Um, no, she was a brown she was a real pig. pig? She, yeah, she received her own screen credit in the film. Oh my God, I love her. Oh, misery. 
Uh, well, Annie spouts some. Well, okay, wait. We just gave away that her name is Misery. Um, oh, she spouts some. <laughs> my bad. Or I don't remember if I said that yet. But no, this you pig's didn't. name is Misery. Um, Annie spouts some concerning nonsense and like slurs about the Sistine Chapel and compares it to Paul's Misery works and then goes snorting after Misery the pig. Oh my god! <laughs> she like geez. runs after her snorting. And she's like bending down. And I'm like, not going to lie. If I had a pig, I would snort after it. Yeah. And I cut like half of me wants to like impersonate it, but I'm also no, like, I can't do no. it. No, <laughs> but this pig is so cute. Like I can't effectively communicate how cute this pig so is. So cute. And it puts his little feet pa- up, on, hooves up on the bed and he's but like, Paul is not no. into it. And well, I'm like, I mean, to be fair, I mean, okay, you're right. <laughs> and it's named misery. And he's like, this bitch is crazy. She has a pig running through her house that she, and I feel like pigs have like more recently become a cute pet. Yeah. Like people but are getting those micro pigs that were not actually not micro so pigs. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. super cute. Annie is staring out the window now telling Paul how she came to discover his novels and it was during a time when her husband left her and she was having a rough go at the long night shift. She was working as a nurse and she just reads his novels again and again. And this conversation is happening while Paul was peeing into a pitcher, like a little bedpan. Yeah. And Annie comes to get it from him. And then she just uses it to gesture repeatedly. Like she has it in her hand and she's kind of like it's going so on and on. funny. <laughs> because you His see face it just again like, is like. And then she says the word boils. Yeah. And like she says things that like are making like your brain associate them with like the urine in the jug. Because it's it's a clear jug. And so you can see like a significant amount of and it's pee is just sloshing. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, okay, okay. Yep. And he can't even pay attention to what she's saying because he's like, can you take my pee away from me? Yeah. It's a very funny scene. Yeah. And she's just ranting, like totally oblivious. She says prattling. She always says she's prattling on. Yeah. She's talking about the institution of marriage at some point during that conversation. Yeah. And how like nobody appreciates the sanctity anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're getting a more clear picture of like who she is as an individual. She's like conservative. Every conversation is revealing bits and pieces. Very extreme personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And prone to these outbursts of like rants, ranting and raving. Yep. Well, now Paul's asleep and it's all quiet in the cabin until Annie comes clomping into his room and says, you dirty bird. You dirty bird. Misery can't be dead. Misery Chastain can't be dead. I'm like, uh oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. How did he not? She calls him then a dirty birdie. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's the most ridiculous. Like her, like because she won't swear. Yeah, swears are really funny. I have a few of them here too. Yeah. So Paul explains that like in the 1800s, when the novels take place, it would be commonplace for women to die during childbirth. Mm -hmm. And Annie is screaming and running around the room and like just not listening to him. She grabs a plant stand. She knocks over the plant and she's holding this like wooden, pretty large plant stand over. Paul's head and he's bracing he has his arm up for the impact but she slams it against the wall and it breaks apart it completely splinters apart and after this Annie is calm and explains that she needs a break from Paul no one is coming for him <laughs> no one knows he's there if Annie dies Paul dies so, yeah, so the we just the has dropped. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like no more disguise I think, I think Paul crazy. probably guessed that like that something like obviously this one he I, probably he guessed have, that like, something was off and yeah. like wasn't all being forthright probably not this extent but yeah he may have suspected something but now yeah. he has total confirmation that annie his number one fan is keeping him captive and he is bedridden yep paul sees annie drive away and this is his chance to escape but his legs and feet <sighs> and arm and body in general are just not okay his feet especially are so swollen we get like a little bit of a close-up and they're so bruised they're so swollen he can barely toss himself from the bed and crawl to the door this is heart-wrenching to and like when he finally gets to, to the this. door he like really is struggling it's locked yeah unsurprisingly he can't get out. Locked. 
So Buster and Virginia have gone to the newspaper after they like couldn't find they, like they feel like something is amiss. He, he hasn't shown up yet. So right. they go to the newspaper. They post an article. Where is Paul Sheldon? Marsha has called back and she's like, I'm going to come up. But Buster's like, I mean, there's no point. There's no leads like no one has called us yet. So beginning stages of people are getting alerted. People yeah. know something's up. Like, where is he? And I definitely was just like, oh, my gosh, come on. You can do it. I Figure know. it out. They're Go getting save there. Him. Uh, Annie is back and Paul is like on the ground. She helps him back into the bed. She seems to be kindly again as she tells him she has a big surprise for him if he'll listen to her nutty thinking first. And she says something about not being able to recall things when she was on the witness stand in Denver. She just yeah, has like a little she slip a little, here. Mm-hmm. And then he like definitely clocks that. Yeah, like, like uh, what? Again, she just kind of is revealing more and more in these little pieces. Mm-hmm. Bursts. But this time, God is speaking clearly to her and has told her that God has delivered Paul to her so Annie can show him the way. Oh, oh thank goodness for Annie. <laughs> oh, my God. So Annie wheels in a grill. Oh, no. And on the grill is Paul's manuscript. Oh, like, it's I like a little. this already happened so quickly. It's wow. A, yeah. No, it's, it's escalating. Yep. It's this, you know, little grill. <laughs> and it's a grill. Paul's manuscript and the untitled, like, last book is, it, that's, the, that's a, not the misery book, is, yep. And this is why I got confused because she made, okay. It's like, she totally made him confusing. light this up. Like, okay, so, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, we'll get to that So it's this, this other manuscript. She doesn't like it. And then there's a lighter the profanity. Fluid. Yeah, and some matches on the grill as well. And Annie tells him he has to burn the book. And he's like, okay, no big deal. I have plenty of copies. And they're being read by publishing houses right now. Yeah, he's like bluffing. She calls his bluff, yeah, because she knows him. She's the number one fan after all. And she knows this is the only copy because he doesn't make extras. He's superstitious after that. He only had one copy from his first book. And ever since then, he's done the same thing. She knows too much. Yeah. He's trying to play it cool. But Annie is like, I really think you should light the match. And she's keeping her voice calm as she tells him that this is the right thing to do. And she walks around his bed and she's just casually tossing gasoline all around the perimeter of his bed on the bed sheets. Yeah. And I think that's indicating if he doesn't light up the grill, then she'll light, she'll light up. him up. Or like his other option is to like light himself up. Like it's just this like very, very threatening. Yeah. This and is escalating so yeah, fast. But like her, she's keeping her voice very calm and just kind of like, oh, I really think that would be best. Like this is what you have to do. She's so just like calm mm-hmm. and collected in these moments. And it's such a like crazy contrast to when she's yeah, just when like, she goes, wow. howdy doody, I hate you. <laughs> Which is, yeah. So he tosses the match on the grill. It goes up in flames and the curtains get caught on fire too. And she puts it out while yelling, oh my goodness, heavens to Betsy. She says, oh my goodness, heavens to Betsy a million times. Oh my God. Because they're one of her character. Yeah. Fill in swears. Um, Mm -hmm. She's about to leave the room when she hears a helicopter overhead. And Buster is in the chopper looking for signs of Paul. They don't see anything or they see the remnants of the car. This was kind of unclear to me. Like they're looking for like something, the car. Yeah. Um, before she leaves the room, she hands uh, Paul his pain pills, and he makes the decision not to take them. He hides them under the mattress. So yep. this is where so he's, he's like, starting to devise a plan. Okay, she's fucking crazy for real. Like, I need to get I the fuck to, out of here. I need to figure something out. Annie is in bed. She's watching a dating show and eating cheese curls and drinking Coke. And Paul is eating dinner. I, know, I love that, <laughs> that whole scene. Me too. <laughs> she's watching like a trashy talk show yeah. or something. Yeah, it's funny. And like the huge bag of cheese curls, like a huge liter of Coke. Um. Paul is in his bed eating his dinner with a side of painkillers and he hides those in a hole in the mattress, which he makes with a tongue of a fork. So he's like, okay, this is my thing now. I'm going to yeah. hide a stash of yeah, pills. And they can't just be right under. They've got to have a little, like a little spot. hidey hole. Yeah. Paul is giving Annie some shit when she puts him in a wheelchair and wheels him over to the, to face the window in his room. He says, Ooh, I've always wanted to see this side of the room. I, like I know. I love that he starts to be kind of like sarcastic. <laughs> me her. too. Annie is setting up a new studio for him where she tells him that he'll write a new book in her honor. 
making her the envy of the world. He'll bring misery back to life. Yep. Paul, at this point, spots a stray bobby Which, pin. Oh, go ahead. I'm just recognizing how confusing this is. It's really confusing. Because if you think about it, like, he she bur- just she- asked him to burn the other book, the yeah. other manuscript that has nothing to do with misery, primarily because of the profanity. And right. she was like, this is God's mission for me, whatever. But then she also had just freaked out at him about the ending of the published book of misery. Right. And now she's telling him to rewrite that book. Yes. And so it's just, yeah, I thought it was a really weird decision. I wonder how you'll have to tell me in the book how they like, how that pans out. Yeah, I will. But yeah, so this bobby pin that he spots on the ground, this is like, oh my God. And when she leaves the room, he tries to placate her. Like he needs a method to get her out of the house, but he's trying to be like nice and, and chat with her because he really needs her to like be on his side and get out. Yeah. So he shows her the paper that she bought him in like the studio he set up. That was the most expensive paper, so that's why she got it. It's actually yep. not that great because it smudges. He types smudge and then pulls it out and like smudges it with his finger. Uh-huh. And she is so angry. It's simmering under the surface. She's trying to keep it contained because she feels like she went out of her way to make him happy. She explodes. Oh, you bought the wrong paper, Annie. Oh, it smudges, Annie. You better show me some more appreciation. And she yeah. slams this huge text that she'd supplied him with onto his legs before she storms out. Yeah, which he likes yells and of pain. course like his legs are fucking broken she's a fucking lunatic <laughs> but i loved this she was like oh like doing this putting yeah. on this no she i love voice. when she like becomes like this other version mm-hmm. or alter ego of herself yeah and paul is just so funny in all of this because his reactions are like oh okay he's kind of like a like he really know. he's so funny he literally his reaction to this is like okay ow but whatever um he wheels over to the bobby pin and he yep. immediately begins working on the lock on the door do you know how to do this? I need no, to learn how to do no, this. No, I would love to know, but like I had no the, idea. With a credit card or a bobby pin? Like, no, where you have to get it. Like, I'd be fucked. No. I'd be like, I don't even know what I don't I'm think doing. I could like, what am I looking Kathy for? Bates. I'd just be shoving it in there. Yeah. I'd probably I'd just break be it like, more. Hope, yeah, I would totally break it in half before I actually got Same. the door open. So I'm always impressed when people know how to do this shit. Yeah. But he gets it. He gets out of the room. And this is the first time we get a look at the cabin because we have been inside this entire room or this room the entire time. We like got to see kind of her watching TV, but we didn't really see the house. Yeah. So the front door is, of course, locked, um, but he's able to get into the living room where he can reach the phone, which has been completely removed of his innards. <laughs> and he says, you crazy bitch when yeah. he sees this because she is like, why do you even have a fake? F- just, why do you even have one? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Paul is still wheeling around exploring and he almost knocks over this penguin figurine, but thank yes, God he catches it God. and he replaces it. It's just like, oh, there's a weird lot little ceramic. Here. Cause you oh also God. know. So suspenseful. She's, she's coming back. coming back. And he's just like exploring, but he's got flashes. such limited amount of time. Yes. So he sees a framed photo of him and he's like, okay. <laughs> With all the misery books. Yeah. Just like lined she's got up a real on the mantle. Um, he moves on to this closet where he finds that she has a stockpile of pills and medical supplies and he takes a pack of pills and before continuing to work his through way through the house, he like shoves them in his pants. Yeah. Um, He's like, she won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> She's too much uh, of a devout Christian. Yeah. Woman. Until we get married. Um, <laughs> so he is really not doing well pain wise. Like he's, you know, trying to get through the house, but it's like not super even. He's in a wheelchair. He's never been in a wheelchair, obviously. And I think Annie says like, oh, your legs are singing like an opera every time you move. And that's mm-hmm. like a very descriptive, funny way of, yeah, his legs like really hurt. He really can't move. Aww. But he is. Um, in order to look around. So he pulls himself down from the chair because he couldn't go over this little bump to get into the kitchen with his wheelchair. And there's another door there. So he wants to try it and it's locked and he's in the kitchen resting from his efforts because he's so tired. Yeah. When he hears Annie's car start to pull up 
and he has to scuttle as fast as he can back oh. to the chair and roll himself back into the room this before so she tense. gets in. This is so stressful. Oh my God. We flash between him wheeling and her clomping and then she drops a pack clomping of Clomping is a perfect word to describe She's such her a clomper. Walking. She's yeah. a clomper. Unfortunately, John says that I clomp, which I do. But what? Oh yeah, I'm a clomper. Because oh. I, I walk turned out from dance for years oh. and so it's very clompy. I never think of you as a clomper. I'll I show do you think after. of Annie Wilkes as a clomper. Yeah. We don't clomp in quite the same way, I hope. But no, definitely she's, not. She's definitely, I, would, I would tell you if you clomped like Annie. She's clomping in her penny loafers. Um, she comes back in with the paper and she's like, oh my God, Bessie, you look awful. You're covered in sweat and your color looks hectic. That's what she says. She's about to put him he back. He does look, his He face. looks crazy. He's like so sweaty. He barely got back in that room. He had to she's lock like, it back up, been up to? with the bobby pin. Um, and he has a good cover because she's about to put him back in the bed and he realizes the pill pack is sticking out of his pants where yep. he shoved it in. So yep. he has to convince her to get him his pills first so he can hide that. And when Annie comes back with the pills and helps him back into bed, he's hidden that successfully. She hands him a pencil and a pad of paper in case inspiration strikes from bed, her being the inspiration. Yeah. He's like, okay. For sure. Thanks so much. Yep. Um, a crane is pulling Paul's wrecked Mustang from the snow. So they did find it mm-hmm. probably on that helicopter exposition. And there's hordes of reporters at the scene. They're reporting that Paul is presumed dead. But Buster and Virginia are inspecting the car once it's pulled up, and they spot marks on the door where they can tell it's been wrenched open, and someone pulled him from the car. Yep. And finally, uh, Buster says that. Yeah, he's out. like, no, he did not die. He got pulled from this car. If he did die, someone like was part of it. Yeah, for he sure. Got pulled from this car. Which thank God for Buster. Thank God because for no one, everyone else is like, okay, I know he's, he's dead. dead. He went missing off this cliff. Yeah. Back in bed, Paul has fastened a little envelope from the paper Annie gave him, and he's opening his pain pill capsules and emptying the powder into it, which I'm so excited by this. You're like, okay, what's going to happen? He's going to try to give it to her. When is he going to give it to her? Squirreling away this little powder. Yes. So the next day, presumably, he's back at his office, staring at his typewriter like, what do I do? Yeah. And he types, fuck, 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 fuck. this. And then he just rips the paper out and crumples it because he's, because you see him typing and you're like, okay, he's, he's at it. And then the paper is like, oh, did we, did we mention that the typewriter she got him is missing an N? No, but that's, yes. Yeah. So every time he types, so fucking annoying, you just see that there's no ends anywhere. And yeah. Yeah. How can you write a book without an N? I know. Uh, well, he does. He writes. A f- well, he starts. He writes a few chapters mm-hmm. and Annie is reviewing them and she comes back in and she's like, I have some feedback. It's bad. And you have to start over. And then yeah. but you can leave the part where you named a gravedigger after me. I like that. Yeah. She's like, leave me in it. Though. <laughs> and she goes on this wild rant about how she loved going to the movies growing up in Bakersfield. And her favorite movie was Rocket Man. And one time they changed the ending and everybody was cheering. And she was like, are you all out of your cockadoodie minds? Yeah. What is the cockadoodie thing? I don't know. It's like an insane replacement for yeah, whatever. Anyway, Paul, like the last last book ended with misery being buried underground. And so she tells him your new chapters have to, they have some plot holes and they need to to start with her being underground. Okay, bye. And Paul's facial expressions are so funny. Like, again, he's just throughout this. He's, he's such a comic relief, even though it's all happening to him because he, he seems so exasperated at her in this way. That's like, dude, you're being like tortured and kidnapped and forced to write this book. But his face is like, oh, my God, here we go again. Because you can also tell that in, like, real life, in real life, outside of this, like, setting and horrible, like, uh-huh. kidnapping that's happened, like, he would not have any tolerance or shit no. for her. And it's also interesting, like, in all these scenes, she they always quibble over, like, language being used. He's almost like the, the kind of snobby writer from the city and she's like you know she's like the down home small town rural you know christian good christian woman or whatever so they have this like quabble quabble quibble 
squabble. <laughs> I was trying to remember what what's his face said from sleeping with the enemy. Quarrel. Quarrel. I think you combined. I combined Wait, them all. Yeah, <laughs> I combined. Quib- what are words? Quibble, quarrel, quabble, quarrel, squabble, and. <laughs> I don't know. Squabble. There's one that starts with an S. Is it squabble a word? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But basically, like, she calls the plays, like, a certain thing. She calls them plays, and then he calls them cliffhangers, and she gets so mad at him for yep. saying that. That's right. And then he corrects himself That's later. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want her to fucking hit me again with a book mm-hmm. for saying the wrong word that makes her feel stupid. So they also have that dynamic with, like, language. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You're right. Yeah. And she gets really frustrated because she's like, I know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. She's like, I'm not an idiot. And, like, mm-hmm. she feels like he's making her feel like one all the time. Yeah. So he's written some more chapters. He's redone them. And Annie is very happy with the story he's woven. Misery was actually just in a temporary coma due to a bee sting. And like, that's what he, that's how he got walked, walked her out of the grave. Um, Annie is literally <laughs> buzzing. She is twirling around saying, Misery's alive. She's alive. This yeah, house is filled she's with romance. So elated. I'm going to put on Liberace. Paul asks Annie if she'll have dinner with him tonight to celebrate. And Annie says it would be an honor. And I was so scared that they were going to eat Misery the pig. That was what oh I was God. like. Oh, my God. Oh, thank God. No, He's... there's no pig deaths. My favorite part of this movie is Misery the pig and that she didn't die. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I can understand. I was very relieved about that. Yeah. Because it would be, it would, it would make sense. Like, when she gets brought into the scene, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, what's now her life at stake? She's going to die. Like, it's going to be something where, like, oh, she'd even kill her little companion. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. So we have a quick, cute scene of Buster in Virginia. I honestly wasn't paying attention, so I hope nothing important happened. Uh, of Buster in Virginia. So Buster was, were they in bed? Uh, no, not yet. I know that part where she like is writing stuff down. I think okay. he's, he's starting to read his books. Yeah. He's starting to read the misery books. Okay. Yeah. There was like one little line and I was yeah, like, I'm no. not going to rewind for that. Cause showtime was annoying. Um, back at the cabin, Annie has gotten ready for dinner. She's wearing a hideous Peter Pan collar shirt oh, and yeah, lipstick and she's curled her hair and she somehow looks worse and scarier. Know, she <laughs> she's she looks purposeful instead it's, of just like accidentally. It's really awful. Like, she looks so bad. <laughs> Um, good news. They're not eating the pig. They're eating some concoction she made with fresh tomatoes and spam. Yeah. Um, she likes to put spam in a lot She of loves things. spam. Yeah. And he's grossed out. Paul tells her that they should cheers and pours them some wine. Yep. And they're about to drink, but he's like, Ooh, actually we need some candles to make this a proper cheers. Mm-hmm. So Annie is off to find some. And Paul takes this opportunity to dump the pill powder that he had been squirreling away Thank into God. Annie's wine. And he's drugging her. I'm so excited. I know. I'm like, let's get rid of this bitch. <laughs> he cheers to Misery and Annie Wilkes, who brought her back to life, and she fucking spills the wine glass. She spills that the wine clumsy glass. clumsy bitch. I'm yes. so mad. I was screaming. I was like, <laughs> no. He was like, will you ever forgive me? Again, his face. He's he like, can't he can't say speak. a word. He's like, he can't say a word. That klutzy skank. Like, <laughs> I am so frustrated i almost cried I love your but his face was so funny that you're like oh. and she's like oh just pour some more oh can you ever forgive me and he's looking at her like oh. that took so long like that took probably that took like weeks, weeks to get that powder and it would have been perfect yeah it's like because uh, so she like never drinks wine so she wouldn't have known the difference between no she the, would never have the known powder. the taste and also like passed it was out. dissolvable Ugh, this is when i thought the pig was cgi again too because she's like cuddling with the pig after and oh, he's yeah. like so annoyed i guess it's a real pig it's really cute it's like legitimately cuddling with her I hope Paul's, Kathy Bates took the pig home after and had like we'll have an to find out nice relationship. Yeah, the yeah. story of that pig because I loved her. Paul is now frantically at work typing away. We can see the days are stretching on and on and on. It's snowing. He's writing pages and pages and then the snow clears up and his outfits change. She like really prepared his outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great montage and it ends with a super stormy rainy night. 
And at one point in the non- the montage, he was lifting the typewriter above his head. And yeah. I thought he was like going to smash it down because he was mm-hmm. frustrated. Yeah. But he's actually using it as an exercise method. He's yeah, using it as like a weight. Yeah, to lift a weight. Yeah, yeah so to his get arms stronger. get stronger. Yeah. Smart. Annie comes in and gives him pills again. And Paul's like, what's wrong? Because he can tell she's like very off. Yeah. And she looks really depressed. She, yeah. And she's kind of like a mess. And usually she's pretty put together. Yeah. So she says, the rain, sometimes it makes me blue. She tells him that she's loved him as a writer, but now she knows that she loves him for real. She loves him like as a person, but she knows that he doesn't love her and he never will. And that he'll never know the fear of losing someone like him as someone like her, which is a good line. Yeah. This is a rare moment of some self-awareness for Annie. She's admitting that she knows what she's done is like not normal. And once the book is over and his legs heal, like what's left because they're getting there. She didn't really have, it seems like she kind of didn't have like think this through maybe, or she did and is now coming to the realization that it's ending. So she's very yeah, like sad. It's going to have to end one way or yeah. another. So she pulls a gun from her robe and she says, I have this gun. Sometimes I think about using it. And I you're might like, put for you, bullets for in him. It. What are you talking about? And then she goes outside in her robe and in the rain. And Paul takes this opportunity to escape into his room again and get a knife from the kitchen as she drives off. Like yes. we don't know where she went, presumably to put bullets in her gun. Like, yeah, you know, I think we're was... supposed to think she's going to get bullets. Yeah. But like, yeah. So Buster has been reading Paul's misery novels and taking notes in the margin. He has like some notes written down. And this is the scene where he's in bed with Virginia. Okay. And he's like reading his books. He's been reading them. He's been taking notes. He's like I trying to learn the more scene from before. The scene from before was where she got a call. Oh, and that's right. They, they were like, where is Buster? And she's like, I don't know. He's out having an that's affair. That's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then, and then he, he comes in the door and she's like, he mm-hmm. wants to know who you're having an affair with. It's just cute. It's like a cute little scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul is wheeling around the house. He finds because she's gone he finds misery's memory lane or no sorry oh my god i call annie misery a lot i had to like go i know back it through. kind of is easy because you start to like yeah. The two. yeah uh i did that a few times and i thought i caught most she of is them. misery she's miserable she really is um he finds her memory lane scrapbook um and he sees some newspaper clippings of his missing article like that he is missing paul sheldon and then yeah. he keeps flipping and there's lots of article clippings yes there are people who have died interspersed with clippings about her achievements and she's moved around a lot her work at the icu the maternity ward and those line up in the book with clippings of deaths of elderly people and babies it's pretty fucked up and finally he sees a clipping of annie who has been arrested for killing babies and dubbed the dragon lady yes this is a huge reveal huge she has a history of murder yep babies and not just yeah, babies and, and she elderly people keeps track in this yeah she like memory mementos with like her accomplishments and then also her accomplishments yeah and there's like pictures are, of the pig in there and yeah it's all sorts of it's crazy very scary it's very telling it's horrifying yeah um Paul's like oh god so he wheels himself back to bed and he practices pulling the knife that he took from the kitchen yeah it's kind of cute from this hidden she- spot yeah he's like trying to pull it out really quick from his arm sling so he can prepare for when she comes back yeah. And he hears Annie walking around the house. He moves the knife under the mattress um, like we think he's preparing. And he's, he's trying to stay awake. He's staying awake for a while. Like he's staring at the ceiling. But he ends up nodding off. And when he awakes, it's to Annie standing over his bed. And she just very quickly injects him with a syringe that knocks him out immediately. Yep. So when he finally wakes up, it's to Annie strapping him down to the bed. She has put like restraints oh. around his arms and legs across his whole body so he cannot move. 
she has discovered that he's been out. Her ceramic penguin always faces due south. Of course she fucking has. Like, of course she knows which way her I penguin I thought that faces. when he put it back, I was oh, like, did you? Was that the exact way that she had it? Because she's one of those, uh, she, obviously. Of she's a nutcase. Like, the, these are probably her friends, her little figurines. Yeah. She also discovered his bobby pin and the knife he hid under the bed. He's, like, know, feeling I'm around so, for it, but it's I was gone. so depressed. Because oh, my God. Because like, oh my God, thwarted he, again. He didn't get to do the wine drugging. No, yeah. And now he doesn't get to do the knife stabbing. No. So he's like, <laughs> okay. Like I'm giving up. Like he's um, defeating. He feels defeated. He feels defeated. But she goes on. She tells him about an operation that they do at a diamond mine to workers if they have discovered that they've stolen diamonds, mm-hmm. and it's called hobbling. And he's like, his face is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fuck. This is the what scene because I don't know much about misery, oh, but, but I know, you know this about scene. This. Okay. She places a wood block between his feet. No. And then she swings a sledgehammer at his ankle. And I didn't realize that we were going to see the ankle break and essentially become liquid. Yep. It's disgusting. It's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. To be honest, because I remember it being so disgusting. Did you look I away? away? It's, I didn't, wasn't expecting it. I thought that cause they, they mostly, there's like not a ton of violence that mm-hmm. you see. It's not a very violent movie. Yeah. Thus far. It's like not super gratuitous. In terms yeah. Of and like usually gore. So, Oh my God, this ankle, it, it truly becomes liquid. Like Ugh. it's like, I'm sorry. It's so gross. Okay. Well, I'm really glad I wasn't I didn't watch in the book, this, in the book. They do cut off his feet. Oh. Or at one foot? I'm not sure. So I guess this was like a, a choice. Um, yeah. Interesting. Because they thought that would be too far. And I guess Kathy Bates was really frustrated because she took the role and prepared herself for that role mm-hmm. based, based on, on knowing that she would have to perform this like surgery essentially where she'd yeah. be like cutting off his foot and then it got changed. And she was like, no, that's not going to be as good. But I actually think this was like really good. Like it became it so canon and became so synonymous with this movie like that's what you know when you know yeah misery and there's something about like it's the hot it's like hobble it's so awful because she says this line where she's like and i'm gonna mangle it Ugh, like his foot um <laughs> Gross. where she's like you don't you don't throw away a mercedes because it gets a flat tire or yeah. something like that like because he's yeah. so he's so meaningful to her that right she's so not she gonna like kill just, like, him or like maim him, him or like but she is gonna take- maim him like yeah she's just gonna like take away his ability to And the walk. idea that they actually did this, I don't know if that's true. I didn't look it up, like the historical accuracy of this diamond mine thing. But I like, know, I was wondering, that like, people, people could still that? be, like, of use in the mines, but couldn't run away. It was just all horrifying, and it's, it's so, really so bad. Horrifying. They don't show when she hits his other ankle, but she does this to both ankles, yep. but does this to both feet. Yep. After she does this, she says, God, I love you. <laughs> Dude. It's so crazy. She's insane. I was so anxious. I was like, oh, my God. John was in a meeting while I was watching this, and I was, like, watching in the... We don't have a big house, like, in the family room and to the, his meeting room, and so I'm, like... Screaming? I was like... <laughs> And my, oh my dog gosh. didn't like it. I know. Anything. I was like, oh, this is such a good movie to like witness Laura's reactions to. Like, oh I wish my I was God. like, seeing I was face. so anxious the whole time. Oh and this God. part, it's just like building, building, and building. Also, his legs had just finally gotten like better. Yeah. So much better. Yeah. He was like going to be mobile again. Yeah. And now they're destroyed. Oh my God. So Annie's yeah. driving into town. She almost glides with a car. She opens her door and she screams, You caca duty. Oh my God. <laughs> She's fucking nuts. So that thing she said earlier, like, I can't go around town screaming at people. She absolutely yeah, she, does. Oh, you're right. She's just not saying like fucker or whatever. Yeah. Like, she's just like, she's making up her own full swears. volume of her voice and making up insane. And words. she's like super violent. She's like hanging out the door. Yeah. Buster is looking out his window and watches all of this go down and it somehow reminds him of something. He's like, Oh, wait a second. And we get. A library scene and a green library yes, lamp. <laughs> yes, of course. It was just like the seven lamp. Yeah. But it's like his little library. It's like yeah, tiny. Yeah, it's a small. It's not that, it's not that kind but of But they do have microfiche and Buster's going through it and he finds an old article about Annie's arrest where she was dubbed the dragon lady. And mm-hmm. in a quote in the article, 
Annie had told reporters an exact quote. There's a judge higher than that of man. I will be judged by him. Yep. And Buster's like, that's from Paul's book. Yeah. So it's he the puts exact it quote. together. Yes. Yeah. Smart Buster. He is so smart. For a little small town mountain cop. Totally. And he, he just got this out of seeing her yell mm-hmm. at someone. He like, was like, He was huh. just like, huh, she's a weirdo. Yeah. Like, let me go let look me her up. this person yeah. in the town. I guess yeah. there's not that many people in the town. But no, there's still. very few, but yeah. It was very smart. At Annie's cabin, she's outside with Misery the pig, and she waves at Paul through the window, and she says, hi, pumpkin, and Paul just flips her off. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the best. And then she goes, you, you fooler, kidder, or you yeah. kidder. She yeah. always loves to call him a fooler, a fooler or a kidder. Oh my god! And yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, now he's, he's like, like so done with her, I'm and so she's over like, you. "Hey, pumpkin!" Yeah, and he's like, "You fucking brutalized." As she my runs legs. around with the pig outside, it's yeah. so funny. Buster goes into the general store, and he asks the owner, "Hey, did you sell Annie Wilkes any of Paul Shelton's books lately?" Oh, I love this scene. And the owner is like, "Yes, she has me set aside the first copy when a new one comes out, and yeah, she buys them all. And she just bought a, a ton, and she bought typewriter paper." And Buster's like, "Okay, nothing weird about that. Bye, bye." Yeah, he's like, "Nothing weird at all." <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay, he's there. Like, yeah, he's got to be there for sure. Paul is staring out the window and he sees a police vehicle is about to pull up. It's pulling down the really long driveway. And Annie hears this too. And she comes charging into the room with a syringe. She's got it loaded. Always already. Yeah. It's probably like in her pocket, just ready to go. Yeah. Paul fights her off and it's, he's like doing a pretty good job holding her off, but she does get to him and she carries him into a cellar that we haven't seen. So it's like this pocket door yeah. you can't really tell is there. It's kind of hidden. Yeah. And she she is so strong. <laughs> she can carry so him down strong. the stairs um, and lays him on the ground there. And then she opens the door before Buster even knocks. Freaking idiot. And yep. Buster's like, uh, uh, hey, I didn't get a chance to knock. Sorry for startling you. And she's like, well, I don't get many visitors. Um, yeah, like you, you did. You startled me. And he's like, well, I'm just looking for some info on Paul Sheldon. What do you know about him? Oh, and my God. She launches into literally a complete she's, history. She's like, let me give you a slight story. Of where he's born, when he was born. And pa- Buster's like, yeah, um, he's missing. So I was actually not looking for that information, but more like, have you seen anything around here? Yeah, I didn't care where he was born. Yeah, like I his, care about his full history alive. of his life. And Annie's like, um, well, I'm his number one fan. And I'm very <laughs> upset about his accident. It almost killed me, actually. And don't laugh, but God told me that as his number one fan... I will need to take Paul's place and write the next misery book. So I bought a typewriter and paper and I turned one of my spare bedrooms into a writing studio. And I spent the last four weeks trying to write like Paul Sheldon. She has all the answers, but I'm not doing a very good job. And I could give you like a hundred pages and you can give me your thoughts. Oh my gosh. Do you think that she like had this planned in the back of her mind? Or I she don't came know. Up with it on the spot. I don't know. It's really smart. It's like, yeah, super weird. And she's like, like not, Oh, I'm going to just lean. He into just the seems like a I'm nutter. A crazy fan. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm this huge, I can't really explain that I have this framed photo of him and like, right. I know so much about him. So I'm just going to say I'm his fan. And like, of course I know yeah. that he's here and so it's I'm trying I'm to be so his sad yeah, yeah. that I'm going to try to be his writer now. It's really smart. Um, she offers him some cocoa and he's like, okay. And they have this little standoff in the hallway where like, he's like, they're both oh looking gosh, at each so other. They, they're they're poking yeah. in and out of yeah. the rooms that the respective rooms. That exactly. And she's like, Oh, Hey, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay. Okay. And then he zips up the stairs. Yeah. And then he runs. I will say like, this is kind of weird. Like, yeah, he's just poking around her house. Like if police came to my house and were like, can I look around? I'd be like, no. Yeah. Well, he, what are you looking he for? Her and she's yeah. like, she yes. Says yes. But then he doesn't ask her if he can go upstairs. He goes upstairs. Yeah. And he uh, is in her room and Annie comes up behind him with the cocoa. It's like very scary. Yeah, it's I was like, like oh my God, is she going to I thought him? she was going to yeah. pour it on him or something. Yeah. And then they're walking down the stairs and I'm like, oh my God, she's going to push him. Right. Something. Same. But she does see him out and he's like, I might come back. I might have some more questions for you. And she's, and she's like, like, okay, yeah, do. anytime. And then as soon as he walks out the door, he hears a crashing from inside and he walks back in and he hears screaming from like this 
downstairs. He opens the cellar door and he's like, oh, Mr. Sheldon. He literally, Mr. Sheldon. Oh yeah. my God. Like he found him. But then bam, fuck. I was not expecting this. No. I didn't know this. Yeah. In all, I didn't know. Poor Buster. <laughs> so Buster has been shot through the chest like really bad. It's from bad. Behind, He's not going to yeah. be recovering from that. No. Ugh, just, like, it was a shotgun. Like it was definitely a huge hole and at the top of the stairs. And then Annie's of course, she's pulled the trigger. She's right behind him. So he like kind of falls down the stairs and Annie's like, don't worry <laughs> to fall. I've done what needed to be done. And I've actually, I've prepared for us. I put two bullets in my gun, one for me and one for you. Don't be afraid. I love you. So fucked up. <laughs> I, I was still like, I know, I know over Buster's oh death my God. and was just like, God, also, why didn't he bring I a know. gun? He saw all he knew the dragon was, lady uh, shit. God, I know. And then he just ran back in there I mean, without any qualms and was like, Mr. Sheldon. Yeah. And then he just gets shot in the back through the chest. <laughs> oh, it's not fair. He figured out so much. I know. But Paul is like, okay, I love you too. You were right. We were yeah. meant to be together. And I know I must die for misery to live, but you have to live to bring misery to life. And she has the gun and the syringe ready. Like she's ready to go down the stairs with it and do this right now. But Paul's speech has stopped her. So she brings him upstairs for something to eat and to finish the book. Mm -hmm. Because the idea that she gets to like be this person that did bring the book back is so overwhelmingly exciting to her because she does want to like be something. Like she wants him to use her as inspiration. Like and then she wants to be so a part of this. Yeah. she gets to have this as her legacy. Have, yeah. The idea of that is just like too much for her to go through with yeah, the plan. Yeah, he knows that. So he. Yeah. He so before she helps him up, he shoves a can of gasoline from the floor down his pants. These sweatpants have like really served him well. Yeah. They are they his have. little purse. He yep. just gets to carry around various <laughs> things. In it. And he's like, she'll never go down also, there. It's so funny because like that gas can is like is, so big. No, I'm like, it would totally fall to the bottom of your sweatpants. Oh, for sure. Or like. They're like yeah. loose sweatpants. Or they would, she would see like a, like a huge gasoline shaped thing yeah. on his butt. She'd be like, are you just Cause like, obviously she's or? obsessed with him. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, has to move him into the chair to get him yeah. up the stairs. No, that's just to carry him. A weird plot. It's a plot hole. thing, but yeah. like, it's fine. The sweatpants are his little satchel. Yeah. Um, he tells Annie he's almost done, but that he'll need three things. Does she know what they are? Of course she does. And she says, "Ah, oh, yes, a cigarette, a bottle of Dom Perignon." Yeah, she, she mispronounces it. it. And yeah, then he does it again. Yeah, he's like Dom Perignon. Yeah, because he's like, I'm not even gonna try mm-hmm. to fuck with her, where she's gonna get mad at me for talking down to her. Yes, so exactly. He wrong he's like, purpose. sure, go with Dom that. Dom Perignon. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> go get me one of those. Mm-hmm. When he's really almost done, he tells her, "Get the champagne," and she sets out everything on a tray. And she puts the gun in her pocket. Like the gun is next to the tray for a second. So it's this crazy like tableau of everything that she's going to bring him. It's a great scene. She brings it to him and she asks him if he's done, if she's done good. And he says, you did perfect. Except this time they need two glasses. Annie goes to get another glass during, and during that Good time, thing she didn't bring two glasses. The I know, first time. I know. And she, well, she doesn't have two champagne flutes because what she brings back is a coupe glass. It's uh, like a little, yeah. So he like glass. somehow knew this. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, she's not a champagne drinker. So yeah. In that time that she went to go get the glass, Paul has soaked the pages of the manuscript in gasoline. Yep. When Annie walks back into the room, he's like holding them up and is like, you taught me this. Like you, this is you. Yeah. It's your fault. I do have a question here. He lights the match with what? His finger? I was wondering the same thing. How does he do that? Is no. his finger rough enough that it's like, there's no thingy. I don't know what he there's lights There's no match book. There's it's nothing. just a single match. No, I actually forgot about that. There's nothing. All right. We need to figure that out. Also, how would he normally be doing it? Because it's usually just a match. Yeah. 
Is it a kind of match that you can is there like? Do you snap your finger? I don't know what it was. It was like in his finger, and he it was he just knows how to light. unlock doors with bobby pins. He and can light throw the with his snowball at the tree trunk. He's just a he's yeah, a man. He's a man of all. He has yeah. He's, he's able to man. get it. He's an actual handyman. A light, and he sets everything on fire. He the this. manuscript's on the ground, and he's in the wheelchair. So Annie lunges she's down like, to no. put the fire out. Yeah, she's like, oh my god. And Paul picks up the typewriter and smashes it over her head. Yes, as it she's is on so the ground. Satisfying. Oh my god. So finally, and they struggle, and she gets out the gun and fires a shot that gets him in the shoulder. He throws himself off of the wheelchair and at her. He gouges out her eyes. Oh my god. And like her up eyes her are nose, like her eyes are like all bloody. bright red, and oh. oh, he headbutts her. And then he, the gross, oh my God, he shoves the burnt and flaming pages into her mouth and he's yeah, like, he's like, here, eat this, you sick fucker. Oh like, my God, I loved like that. that. He was like, eat it. Yeah. And it's like on fire. All, oh God. Oh my God. She kicks him between the legs. They continue to struggle and he's able to throw her off of him. And when he does, she lands head first onto the typewriter. Like yeah. she goes back and it looks like she's dead. Her yeah, face is like, like, okay, she's dead. She's now had her, her eyes gouged out. Yeah. She was and already her, her hit over the head. Her face is all like slack and it's like on the typewriter. It's a very yeah. like... Yeah, great scene. It's a very normal 90s scene. Yes. And Paul crawls out of the room. Honestly, I don't know what he's going to do because, like, he is injured. He <laughs> has no leg. There's use. no phone. I guess, like, the. I mean, people are going to come looking for Buster. So yeah, for sure. It would have been Buster. Yeah. I guess, like, hopefully people will know that he went there. Um, and he's, you know, crawling out. He, he's got to figure this out, where he's going to go. But Annie. Annie's alive. She's not dead. Of course not. This no. is like, you know, this is what we thought was going to happen in Sleeping with the Enemy. Because villains are superhuman. Oh, wait, does it happen in Sleeping with the Enemy? It does. Yeah, yeah he's alive still. Yeah. Well, oh, uh, fear. There is one. Fear. fear when he lands not. on the rocks and yeah. we're like, he's going to animate. And yeah. Because like, yeah. that's no, what always happens. He doesn't. Yeah. But she's like on top of him. She's like really dead, like out of it. No, she's not dead, but she's like dying. Yeah. There's blood coming out of everywhere. Um, no chance of her jumping. They're up both again. moving pretty slow. Yeah, mm. he's on top of her, but she like can't really get purchase on his body to get off. And yeah, he's climbing or he's crawling towards the. He's got like his arms outstretched. He's trying to get this solid metal doorstep that's in the shape of a pig. Yeah, and he finally <laughs> reaches it. He hits Annie in the head with it. And with he a pig. actually kills her. He kills her with misery. She falls on top of him. So it's like one last. He's like, oh. My God. Yeah. And then she's just like a slump, yeah. slumped on him. Okay. So he did it. She died. But she's it was dead. not without drama and awful scenery. And oh I guess gosh. Kathy Bates had Third a really tough time charm. with this because she was like very opposed to violence and not a violent person whatsoever. <laughs> so she was crying in between scenes. I didn't even read that part. Because she was just like so upset that she was she w- did not want to be beat up like this. Like she hated it. <laughs> didn't like the, when I get into so some violent. of the trivia it seems to me that this was a very hostile yes, work environment definitely yeah uh, we'll, we'll talk more so about it yeah. I don't know but these two actors seem like an interesting pairing right they definitely uh did not they had they, they had some some Annie and Paul vibes they really did yeah, yeah it kind of it seems like it worked well for the for uh-huh. the actual purpose of the oh, movie but I'm sure it wasn't pleasant in no, real life not at all so now we get a shot of the New York City city skyline mm-hmm. and Paul is alive Thank God. He's Yay. walking with a cane and a limp into a building to meet his literary agent. And they're discussing He wouldn't be his... able to do that if he had his feet cut off. So maybe they were exactly. like, we just yeah. need like, him to kind we of need the end. I'll, I'll the have end. to read what the end scene actually is if he's in a wheelchair or something. Um, but they're discussing his new book over this lunch. And it's not a misery novel. It's been named. It's The Higher Education of J. Philip Stone. And it's receiving rave initial reviews. It's being taken. He's being taken seriously as a novelist. And the Times review is going to be a love letter. And Paul seems like sort of pleased. He's like, okay, cool. And Marsha's like, aren't you, you thrilled? About? Yeah. Aren't you thrilled? <laughs> yeah. A little nod to us, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul explains that he thinks the experience with Annie Wilkes actually helped him. Um, and Marsha's like, 
Well, okay, since you brought her up, would you ever consider writing a nonfiction novel about what, what went on in this house? And he says no, but he does think about Annie and what happened. And as he's explaining this, he's hallucinating. And the waitress that's approaching their table with a giant chocolate cake and a huge knife, he sees as Annie. Yeah, it's terrifying. And as that vision clears and it, he sees it's just a waitress, the waitress says, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bother you, but are you Paul Sheldon? I'm your number one fan. Oh my God. It's what such a good ending. ending. I know. I love that ending. <laughs> Me too. And then a rendition of Billie Holiday's I'll Be Seeing You takes us through to the credits. Yes. It's so good. What I loved it. I loved it? it. Yeah. Okay, good. I thought it was really fun and funny, even though it was so disturbing and awful. <laughs> like, it's both. It's like both a horror and a comedy. Yes. And it's like very suspense, edge of your seat thriller at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah, it was a great yeah. thriller. I can't believe I hadn't seen it before. I'm so happy I've seen it now. Definitely a classic. Um, I'll probably watch it again in like the wintertime. It's, it's so perfect for that. A wintry movie, like if we're staying in Big Bear or Cabin or something and I want to be scared, I'll yeah. watch it. It's not too scary. Like I think it's... No, you could obviously also look at it as sort of just if you want to have the lens of a comedy you can kind of just like you know and except for the part where she fucking hits him okay, over yeah. the I mean it's other it's than like, that god that scene yeah and when Buster dies but even that is where he's like if you Mr. know it's, Sheldon yeah and then if you know it's all coming shot. like now that it won't be my first time watching yeah. it it won't be as upsetting today when I watched it I was definitely like oh my god <laughs> like oh my god yeah it's like a it, I mean the concept of it is like pretty upsetting it if is. you actually think about what's yeah. going on and you probably do you cover this in in the fact like how Stephen King thought of it um let's see how he thought of it I mean oh. it's, it's not much it's basically no. like he was on a plane flying somewhere oh, and I, I think he, he said like he just had like an interesting experience he doesn't like dive into it and he had thought like what if someone that's like a really big fan of a writer like yeah. took it too far and he's like oh writer like alluding to like maybe he had these fears himself of yeah. like his fame and stuff um so like it wasn't it, he didn't dive too deep into like the you know how he thought of this if he had some like huge revelation or whatever but it was just kind of that it would make sense like it's there's kind of like a couple themes or dynamics and one of them is definitely I could imagine for a writer who's well known and famous like the ultimate horror yeah is like one of your crazy kooky fans oh my god being able to trap you in their home when you can't move and then they force you to to rewrite a book to rewrite a book and they're your editor or write a book and they're Mm -hmm. like telling you giving you you all the feedback like totally this is so bad yeah you're right so that's like like, oh my gosh that is like the worst nightmare of a famous writer i imagine i'm not articulating this well but yes what you just said is exactly it's like this this uh extreme manifestation yeah, of exactly. writer's fears like uh, uh, like you know people giving us feedback about this podcast that like no one listens to we're like okay <laughs> we don't want to hear it like uh, so only good. positive feedback for now exactly so I can't even imagine being a writer and getting feedback on something that's like something you made up right that's like total fiction this is, this is your like brain coming yeah. to life and and something you care about and a story that you thought was good enough obviously to put out there and then you have just like a regular like you know Lo- Kathy Bates and this loony tune, yeah creepy and crazy person I mean just like an absolute lunatic being like actually I don't like the swearing and actually I you need to take this out and this doesn't make that much sense misery but, ooh, can't die her dying from a or her coming alive from a temporary coma from a bee sting is like brilliant yeah it's just like the you know ugh, naysayers in your audience that want something that's completely illogical but because it fits the narrative yeah. that they want and it's like oh being you're forced able to, to have to do yeah, it to yeah to force you into writing what they want yeah so, completely so uh, it has a ninety. So misery has a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So very good. Gosh, I'm trying the to best think. So far, that, for sure. 
I want to say it's tied with Dead Calm. Oh, yeah. Dead Calm had a good as a Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah. Was there? Oh, seven. Seven Seven to two. Did they have 95? Yeah. Maybe seven still in the lead there. Okay. Uh, And still good. We might exchange movie trivia because it sounds like you have some things that maybe I don't have. So I'll just give a few. So first, Jack Nicholson was offered the role of Paul Sheldon. Yeah. But he passed on it because he wasn't sure he wanted to do another movie based on one of Stephen King's novels. Right. uh, Because he did The Shining. Right. uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Which it's interesting that Stephen King has these like... They're all both set in Colorado. Mm-hmm. They're like really like snowy, mountainy, like creepy, sort of atmospheric films. And it would be weird to have Jack Nicholson star yeah. in both of them. I could see it, but I, mean, I, I think could see it again. Yeah. James Conn was just like so perfect for it. So I know that there was some like controversy in casting him because yes. he was having a tough time personally and professionally where he was really going through it. And yeah, he was and like, he was drinking a lot mm-hmm. and. A lot was going on there. I guess he actually showed up to the set hungover one time. Oh, yes. And all the scenes he shot that day were unusable. God, what a waste. And Rob Reiner, who's the director, who also did Princess Bride. Right. And When Harry Met Sally and right. Stand By Me. So well, that's Stand kind By of Me is Stephen King, right? Oh, yeah. Wait. Stand is by, it? Yeah, Stand By Me is Stephen King's The Body. But because, well, I know that he wanted to pick... Um, Rob Reiner as yes, the director. Okay. So he did it? It's Stand By Me was Stephen King's 1982 novella, The Body, but oh. but his like interpretation of it where it wasn't such a horror. Like he took out okay. some of the elements of the horror okay, and got he it. made it a... Because, you know, I so mean... So that's like, the connection with... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. Okay. So yeah, Rob Reiner was the director. He also was... Uh, he was an actor and he was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, yes. He's so Which cute. is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But uh, yeah, so once James Caan showed up on the set hungover, all the scenes he shot that day were unusable. And then Rob Reiner told him he had to do the scenes again, but he told him it was like, oh, there was a problem at the lab, which I'm like, the lab? The film lab? <laughs> like Is the that film? a thing? I don't know. Maybe at that time. Okay. And then when Khan actually learned it had nothing to do with labs, he offered to cover the money. He lost the studio. But I just think that begs the question of like, why was... Rob Reiner so scared to tell him like no you were fucking hung over he must have had kind of like a difficult personality for sure so yeah there's that uh and then this is the more kind of gossipy stuff so James Kahn and Kathy Bates did clash over their acting Mm. methods Mm -hmm. Kahn believed in as little rehearsal as possible oh right yes Bates with her theater background was used to practicing a lot. And when she commented to Rob Reiner that Khan was not attempting to relate or listen to her whatsoever, Reiner told her to use that frustration towards uh, her character Mm -hmm. and like towards his character. So yeah, just sounds like very dramatic and like set. Obviously he didn't like her either. I I can't imagine. I mean, that film is so dark, even though it is like funny, but like the, also, James Conn just had to lay in bed for so much of yeah, it and exactly. be in so much pain and throw himself around. Oh, and also they they filmed that scene themselves, the end scene, them fighting. Like, there weren't stunt doubles. There was only a fake Kathy Bates head. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But, like, everything else was, like, them yeah. fighting. They were... Which, that's so physical. They're really beating the shit out of no each other. No wonder she was, like, crying. Yes, I know. She was, and like, she was this again, is- like, just the idea of... Because Ka- Kathy Bates, like... IRL yeah is such a like warm and like yeah. lovely seeming yeah. human and so she was very uncomfortable with the level of violence and really was like upset yeah because <laughs> she was she also was like very into empathizing with her character mm-hmm. to get into that mindset of yeah. how much had happened to her and that like backstory yeah she's um, like a character actor right? I don't know That's enough about called. this to get into it but like you know Castle Rock the Hulu series yeah. like mm-hmm. dives into oh, yeah. Annie Wilkes like 
Oh, you're right. Like because that's story. played by what's her face, that... uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Yes, Lizzie mm-hmm. Kaplan. I just feel like so many important people were involved in it, and like it's been used and referenced in so many ways since then. Oh, for sure. I've definitely like without seeing it knew about the um, sledgehammer scene yeah. and just in general what the story was about. But it's I appreciate it so much now that I've watched it and and you can read the book now yes I'm gonna read the book um the book is scarier so I'm scared but I I think Stephen King is such an incredible writer obviously and I really do enjoy his works so and you'll know the endings I know so it won't be quite so scary like I'm sure there's you know things that have, have been adapted differently for the film some of them we know but uh it it was really good the like little I read like two chapters thus far and it was great Okay. Well, let me know if you think I should read it too. Cause I okay. Will. Yeah. Um, and then one of Stephen King's first typewriters apparently did have uh, a malfunctioning end key. Oh. Just like the one Funny. used by Paul in the movie. So like, I really feel like just there's Justin. Justin. <laughs> Is there a Justin? No, I don't think. James. Who? Who's James? Con? Oh, James Conn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I did have work today for a little bit. I know. I know um, you did. Yeah. No. So. Okay, so it's sort of like Stephen King's playing out his his worst nightmare because this was he did have a malfunctioning N. Um, in the novel, the top the typewriter also drops the T and the E keys apparently. Okay, and those are two letters that are second and first most commonly used letters in the English language, making Paul's job even tougher. But for whatever reason, they decided that's too mm-hmm. tough. And for the <laughs> movies, they were like, we're just gonna take away the N. Yeah, ability. that's already really hard. Yeah, uh, and then Stephen King was initially reluctant to sell the film rights for Misery because he was really skeptical that a Hollywood studio would make a movie faithful to his vision. But like you said, he was impressed with one of the other adaptations of his works, um, stand by me. So I did have that. Mm -hmm. And he agreed to sell misery under, uh, the kind of requirement that Rob would produce Mm. or direct the film. Okay, cool. He did a great job with both. He did. Yeah. And then obviously very different, but yeah. Lauren Bacall, I just want to say, like, I've only seen maybe, like, one random old thing she was in, but she was such a beautiful, like, her face is, like, and I don't know how old she was when she filmed this movie, but even as, like, an older woman, she's so beautiful. Yeah, she was great. It was fun to, like, just have a little, I mean, obviously, like we said, the other characters were very ancillary, like, it was the the main drama was happening with Kathy and James, but it was fun to see her, and she she did a great job as this, like, you know, concerned, but, like, advocating literary agent I liked her yeah I loved all the characters me too like, everyone was so great well it was like really 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 strong they were like they had depth they yeah. weren't all just sort of like they fleshed out like the marriage like mm-hmm. um you never really got fully into Fargo but no I need to it kind of reminded me of Fargo characters the mm. um the wife the and, police yeah, yeah and the wife like just yeah some there's something about the way they write I could it see that. that it just sort of makes you feel like you know them they have a fun rapport and they're like very jokey and yeah. clearly care so much for each other so i'm so sad I for know, her buster oh my gosh i know and she clearly, i thought they, they would really had an do... active sex life because yeah. she alluded it to it constantly i know so their like marriage was wonderful and yeah. great and they were such partners so i was like really truly that was like the, sad that was the that. tragedy they had to have someone die i know i wish it was the pig i would have taken the you would have taken the pig over Buster. Well, Interesting. Yeah, he's a human. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have liked it. I was as long as happy. the pig death hadn't been like super brutal. Right. If they just served be. her up, served her up, <laughs> I would have been upset and I would have been like, oh, I knew that was coming. Ugh. But then if I could trade that for Buster, I would have. I'm not a monster. Well, and I t- eat bacon. So tangent. I don't, 
I hate the idea of having like a roasted pig that's like alive or not. You know, John wants to do that for our wedding. It's, no, we're not. John, we, okay. we will not be. John, listen to me. Like he wants to bury a pig <laughs> in the ground. I was like, no. have you ever seen that for like yes. a pig roast thing? Yeah. Well, when I lived in Hawaii, there was like luau's and they would do uh-huh. that all the time. But I really hate it. I love pigs. I don't want to do that. I hate that I eat them. I hate that I, yeah, I try really hard not to eat bacon, but every once in a while I, I have don't some try sausage. hard, but I should. And I just feel so bad. I don't it. like it about myself because I really love pigs. My and brother had a pig roast like two days ago at oh. his house apparently oh my God. wow because my Don't younger brother yeah um and apparently like no one else was able to have it at their house so he got like he was the friend that had to do it did he have to dig a hole or was it and just like a, a grilling situation or like a spit roast type of thing um probably not the hole I don't think he had the hole but he sent me a picture Ugh. and I was like why the fuck did you just send me this picture so and upsetting. I was like no I and know. I had just watched misery too oh and no see the pig <laughs> the and I was like oh my god it could be misery <laughs> Okay. Anyway, Maybe I could, a, we could just turn this into like a PETA uh, yeah, don't, conversation. Don't come for us, PETA. I am sorry. I would like to change, but yeah, if one they day. could make vegan bacon that tastes like bacon, I'm down. Turkey bacon's not bad. Yeah, but it's a turkey then. Okay, they're dumb. Turkeys I don't are care about dumb. turkeys. Yeah, I had this argument one time with I don't like my turkey dad bacon that much. Because he's like, well, if you're going to eat any meat, like, what about mm. the turkeys or whatever? And I was like, yeah, but they're not smart. They're not they smart. Can't. They're not like dogs. But I don't know. <laughs> we, I don't know. We haven't solved anything here. <laughs> Except we were we going to go, on a tangent we were gonna go out pig. to eat and maybe we won't be now. Maybe I'll just finish my fucking smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just have, um, I mean, we are in the place of lots of vegan yeah, restaurants. We can for sure find Although I, I just have to quickly say that whatever that restaurant was that I tried in Silver Lake recently, the like taco oh, yeah. place that was vegan. I was starving afterwards. I was like, how are people eating full meals here? Like sometimes I'm totally down with like the vegan food, but this place was like, they already have such small plates. You can't do small portions when it's no protein. And then I'm just like, okay, I feel like I just ate a leaf and now I'm... You did. Yeah. I I did. Yeah. So, okay. Well, well, we'll figure it out. We might be vegan by the next time we do this podcast. We might be. But we'll be back. We're doing every other week potentially for the summer because we have... So much going on. Yeah, we're just such popular, busy human um, beings. Yay. Well, okay. thank you for retelling this. You did a great job. Thank you for assigning me misery. I loved it. Yay. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.